How is everyone doing out there? This is the sixth episode of Cooper's Chalk Talk. Um, today I want to talk about some student loan debt issues just you know across the U.S. There's the, the numbers that are out there are pretty wild. And then I want to talk about just some future odds for, once again, college betting, some great numbers out there, a couple of teams that are, you know, I think their numbers, there's some money to be had there because you know the, the value is there for sure. Um, and then I just want to talk about definitely some of the free agent signing. You know, the Odell Beckham trade just happened today. Um, just some madness going on. So I want to talk about just some of the biggest ones out there so far. Um, but to kick off, I want to go ahead and start with the student um, actual debt just across the U.S. And I want to start on the positive side, okay? So um, once again, I got my degree. Um, I was lucky enough I played college football, so I didn't have to go into pretty much any debt whatsoever. And the kind of fascinating part is there's actually a ton of scholarships out there if you actually put your mind to, to it and you kind of look, you ask a lot of questions. Um, you know, just for in New Mexico alone, you know, where I, where I was going to school, I found, I think I found an additional like $3,000 in scholarships for my senior year, which once again, I was on a football scholarship, so I didn't necessarily need that money. So I got approved for those. And it was just kind of extra money for me um, for my senior year, which was amazing. So... The first thing I want to talk about is just what the average um, bachelor's degree is worth over a lifetime. So it's worth about $2.8 million. Um, so that, that goes into just salary, what you could be making on a yearly increase comparative to somebody without a degree. So about $2.8 million over a lifetime, which is pretty good. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's awesome, you know. Um, but, you know, once we kind of go through it, it's going to be kind of crazy to see how much you know, over a lifetime, you know, $2.8 million, but how much the actual getting your college degree is actually putting the U.S. in debt. So the first thing I want to talk about are just the top six degrees. The first one, or, you know, number six came in engineering, number five, biological and biomedical sciences, four, psychology, three, social sciences and history, number two, health professions and related programs. So that's actually the fastest growing one um, as of 2018. That one is the fastest growing one and then number one is business so you know I think one thing to kind of think about this as well is you know in these degrees that people are getting or you know what is going to end up happening with the technology fat like the technology aspect of it you know how much is it going to be able to be integrated into just a software program that can actually be taken into so you know you look at you know the most common one is business you know and you know they, they say the reason why the business one is so such a good investment is because business can be you know kind of conceptualized into a ton of different um, or I guess I should say compartmentalized into a a bunch of different things so you know if you work in a hospital there's a lot of people that have business degrees working in a hospital um you know if you work in you know for for myself like pharmaceutical programs you know i have a business degree you know it works it works in that as well so you can do a ton of stuff with a business degree it kind of goes in all facets of it um so I want to talk about that because that is obviously the the good stuff that definitely comes of it. So I want to talk about that. And then, you know, I think the next piece of it is, is actually digging into what the actual, you know, the actual debt side of it is. What, what, what are we actually accruing for these degrees? You know, obviously, we're supposed to be making more money once you get your degree. You know, I think the most common thing nowadays is everybody that graduates school, I think that's one of the most common questions is, 
well, where are you going to go to college? You know, or have you, have you, have you applied to go to school? Where, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? What do you want to study? You know, that's the most common thing. And, you know, I think it's, you know, I, I think that it's kind of crazy whenever we, we get away from, you know, there's some great trade programs as well. You know, some of the best jobs, you know, in Florida, they cannot find enough people to do these trade jobs, like, you know, being air conditioning guys, you know, plumbers, all this stuff. And the average income of a lot of these jobs are between 65 to $85,000 a year, which that's a very, very good living after you go to trade school and you get your certifications and all that stuff and you know you become an actual certified you know plumber you know you you get all that kind of stuff done or electrician you know once again it's definitely manual labor and I think one of the biggest aspects that is it's not it's you know it's not an applauded career field you know especially nowadays it's you know, if you work with your hands, you know, it's almost like you're thought of as less of if someone is like dressed in a suit, which, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. There's people that, you know, they wear suits all day and, you know, they're, they're tens, thousands of dollars in debt just from keeping up with the Joneses or, you know, as we talk about going into school, you know, the average student um, that graduated in 2016, they carried a $37,000 debt. So, that's just a kind of a crazy number. So imagine if you went and got your welding degree and or welding certification, you went to welding school and you spent, you know, a year and a half going to that trade school, and then you walked away and you had about an $8,000 debt, which, you know, once again, a lot of times whenever you go work for a lot of these companies, you go get a trade, the kind of amazing part of it is that you can kind of go from this trade school into in right into a job and these jobs will actually pay for that trade school because you know you'll start doing you know apprenticeships and whatnot and then they'll actually pay that off so once again i'm not bashing college by any means i just think it's very important that you know as you know as a country i think it's extremely important that you know we're kind of diversified you know not everybody necessarily needs to go to college i think there's a lot of kids that go to college and then they end up never using their degree so you know they end up going to school and they end up doing this kind of stuff anyway so you know, just just kind of digging through this, there's about 44 million borrowers who collectively owe 1.5 trillion in student loan debt in the U.S. Um, and then once again, the average student in the class of 2016 carried about a $37,000 student loan debt. So, you know, you kind of look at this and you're like, all right, like, you know, you're going to be making $2.8 million over, you know, the the length of your life by going to school. Um you know, what is, what, what is that? What's that? That's a drop in the bucket compared to 2.8 million. So 37,000 compared to 2.8 million, you know, it's like, oh, it's totally worth going to school. But, you know, just, just for example, let's just raise this number up. Okay. Just cause this was an example that I found and it, I thought it made good sense. So, so imagine you go to school and you accrue $50,000 in student loan debt, which I think that's very, you know, it's probably pretty fair. Um, and you have an interest rate at 7% and it takes you and you're on a 15 year payback stance. Okay. So in those 15 years, if you're at a 7%, you're going to end up paying, you know, right around $10,000 in your, in your payback. And once again, about 4% of this, like as soon as you take out this debt, 4% of this is almost thrown on immediately. So, you know, it's, it, it doesn't even matter if you paid it off, like the day that you got it, that it's just automatically thrown onto it. So, so as you kind of dig into these actual numbers, there's, there's a ton of profits to be made. And that's why going to school is like nothing that, you know, the U S has ever seen, you know, being 1.5 trillion in debt. So once again, I'm a big football guy. I thought just, you know, out of out of curiosity, how much money did college football make last year? So college football as a whole made close to $8 billion last year. So $8 billion. So you kind of think about that, 
the student the student loans are 1.5 trillion that doesn't even touch the 8 billion and that's for all students you know that that's for all um that's for all um college football so so you know that that's a huge money game you know people spend tons of money on college football it's probably one of the most popular sports in all of america and that doesn't even come close to touching what the student loan debt is to go to these schools you know people want to be in all modern of michigan to florida and they're paying you know they're going in debt for you know hundreds of thousands of dollars you know the average is only thirty seven thousand. you know that that's just the average of what the kids are coming out there's kids that are coming out of school with with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and, you know, there's people that are, they're going to be paying this off until they're 50 years old. You know, I talked to one of my doctors and, you know, he was telling me, he was like, yeah, whenever I went to medical school at the University of Arizona, and this was, you know, 30 years ago, he's like, my yearly tuition was $2,500, you know, and that's, that was, that was then imagine going to student, imagine going to your medical school now, how much you're going to be having to pay just to go to medical school. So you know, I thought that this was kind of something to kind of dig into a little bit, just because, you know, once again, as you dig through the actual numbers of of the actual student loan debt, you know, it's it's like, how how is this kind of happening? And, you know, the, the kind of crazy part, too, is, you know, student loans can go up and they accrue faster. And there's the kind of amazing thing that happens with student loan debt is if you claim bankruptcy, you don't lose the fact that you have to pay back your student loans. You're going to have to still pay back your student loans. So no matter what, you're still going to have to pay this back. So, you know, I was curious, I was like, what's the most average, what's the most average, um, you know, interest rates that people are having to pay back. So for undergraduates, about the most average is about 5%. Graduate students are paying about 6.6 and, um, parents and graduate students taking out plus loans is about 7.6%. Now the kind of interesting part about these actual percentages is a lot of these loans are being taken out with a cosignee. So, you know, cause you know, college students, they don't usually have fantastic credit. So, you know, your parents are having to sign on with you that you're going to pay back this, you know, $10,000 a year that you're taking out every year to go to school, they're having to co-sign with you. So all of a sudden your parents are tied to that as well, tied to that, tied, tied to that debt. And then, you know, all of a sudden you kind of defer payment because whenever you get out of college, you're not making a ton of money. So you're deferring your payment. So, you know, but that doesn't stop the interest rate. The interest rate is still growing. And once interest grows on this, you know, as you defer these payments, money is just piling on. So then all of a sudden you defer these payments. So this 15 year loan, say you defer the first five years or, you know, however long you have to five years throughout the entirety of the loan, then all of a sudden you're paying, you know, that 7% on that 50,000, but also the accrued amount that's going into that as you defer those payments. So just end up paying way, way more. So, I mean, on a $50,000 debt that you end up, you know, pushing the, pushing off, you pay it for, let's say 20 years because you have to defer payments kind of throughout it or whatnot. Let's say by the end of it, you're going to end up paying, you know, close to $70,000, $75,000, almost your actual loan plus, you know, almost 50% added onto that just in interest alone. So, you know, that's why, you know, going to college now is a business to these people. You know, it's, if you go to, if you go to college, you have to make sure you have a game plan of what you're going to be doing out of once you get out of school. And that's why I say, you know, most students, you know, out of high, out of high school, you know, I knew what I wanted to go to school for, but that doesn't necessarily mean I knew what I was going to be doing whenever I got out of school. You know, I fell into the job that I had whenever I got out of school. I, I literally was, I was working. One of my best friends is working. One of my best friends, sister was actually working for this company. She asked me if I'd be interested in it. I got an interview. I got hired and I wasn't going to take the job, but my dad told me, he was like, well, they're offering you insurance. 
I'm taking you off my insurance, so it'd be a good idea to start this. And plus, they're going to give you a 401k after you know six months or whatever. So, you know, it's it just it's something that you know you have to pay attention to because all of a sudden you get out of school and you know real life hits you fast because you know you need in you you have to have insurance. You're going to be a little bit more on your own. You know, just once again it depends on your parents, but you know you're supposed to be on your own whenever you graduate college. Whereas you know, if all of a sudden you have the average um, payback that's, you know, average monthly payback, I just was kind of curious what that was. It was about $380 for a for an undergrad. So you add $380 to your monthly expenses. Let's say you get out of school and, and, you know, of course, everybody, I was just like everybody else. Whenever I put it down, I was like, oh, what do you think your, whenever you graduate, what's your yearly salary going to be? And I put in $70,000. You know, I would have loved to have been making $70,000 out of, out of college. Whenever I graduated college, I was making, you know, I think I was making like right about $28,000 a year, which if you're making $28,000 in today's age, I mean, once again, this is, I've been out of school for about 10 years. Um, you know, if, if you've been out of, if you got out of school today and make $28,000 a year, I guarantee you, I could go be a bartender down the street and making more than that easily in tips a year. So, you know, once again, it's over the la- the life skate, the, the lifetime of why you go to school, right? Cause whenever you get out, you have to get the, you have to get your experience and you have to build your resume and then that's going to lead to more things. And 100%, if I didn't have my college degree, there's no way I'd be where I'm at career-wise because I've been able to do a lot of stuff and a lot of jobs that I've had have been able to require a college degree. So in that regards, it's very beneficial that I'm in college. And once again, I didn't have this loan, so I didn't have a $380 payment attached to my monthly bills. But, you know, once again, going back to this, so, you know, you say you get out of school, you know, I was only making 28,000. So say you get a job making $35,000 a year and you have a rent that's $1,000. You have a car payment that's, that's just for fun, say 350. You got insurance on your car that say cost 100 bucks. And then you have all your monthly bills, cell phone, utilities, all that stuff, say that averages up to about $200, you know, very rapidly, you're looking, you know, you're staring down the barrel of, you know, $1,800 a month just to be alive. And then you're going to throw another $380 just as student loans. So then all of a sudden that's taking you from, it's taking you to like $21,000, $22,000 of monthly expenditures that you're having, which, you know, once again, you go back to that, you go back to that actual stat. I think it was, um, I don't know. I, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but an enormous amount of the U.S. couldn't stand a $400 um, emergency fund. So I'm actually going to look that up because I found that actually, I actually found that pretty pretty fascinating. So, so 40% of Americans can't cover a $400 emergency expenses. So with that being said, so, you know, dumbing that down a little bit, four in 10 adults can't cover $400 emergency expense. So, you know, I kind of tie that into, you know, a lot of these college students that are trying to live paycheck to paycheck, you know, they say you get out of college, you get a job with, um, you know, say you get a job with Chase, Chase Bank, you're working in the, you're working in the branches, you know, a financial officer, whatever, say you're making, I don't know, once again, $35,000 a year, $40,000 a year, whatever. I don't, these aren't real numbers, not real company, whatever. So, so say that's just your average and then, you know, you're expected to make all these payments living wise. Um, once again, this is taking someone that's single, not even saying you have kids. And then all of a sudden, you know, you know, how are you supposed to start saving your money? Because, you know, that's a huge portion of it. So, you know, no, I'm kind of diving a little bit deeper, you know, into this college, 
college um, debt part of it. But, you know, the fact that 40% of Americans can't cover $400 emergency expense and we're $1.5 trillion in student loan, there's obviously an issue there. You know, there, there really is. I mean, you know, I'm not a socialist. I don't think that I, I personally don't think that, you know, everybody should just have their school paid for. I don't I don't think that. But I do think that it's getting a little outrageous. You know, I think, you know, I listened to um, I believe his, his name is Yang. He's running on the Democratic side. And, you know, he talked about, you know, having schools lower the cost of going to school. So not going to a socialistic standpoint, but you know, these schools are starting to get just gouge kids because they've been able to, there's not really been, you know, a whole lot of control over it, to be honest with you is, as you see, you know, going to school, you know, if you, if you go to school, a lot of people are, you know, they're going to community college at this point to get their first two years because the next two years they're going to, it's going to cost them an arm and a leg just to be able to finish out at whatever main four-year university they have. So, you know, you look at that and it's like, well, where, how did this, how did this huge increase happen? And, you know, we, you know, colleges employ so many people, it's kind of wild. And, you know, once again, we talk about this, we talk about this, like, you know, what is, what, what can technology do to remove some of these, obviously, expenses from the American student? And, you know, how can this better the overall college experience for kids? Because, Whenever you get out of college, if you're stressing to have to go back and pay this all back within a certain amount of time and you don't want to do, do defer payments, you know, it's going to be extremely stressful, especially, you know, the 15 years after college, you know, it should be, you know, arguably the funnest time of your life because you're not going to school. You're actually making a paycheck. You should be able to enjoy your money a little bit. Um, but instead, you know, you have to pay back $400 a month, you know, you know, $400 a month, that's, it's definitely a couple of vacations a year that's just kind of wiped out. And, you know, once again, you know, obviously, it's, I know there's some parents that can go, go ahead and help their kids out with that. But I think in, in today's age, a lot of parents are enable, you know, just because, you know, they're, they have to worry about themselves as well. And, you know, they put you in a good enough situation to have you go to school that they can't help you pay off your school. So then all of a sudden, you know, the parents are, they've done their part by getting you, getting you to that point. And now you're kind of starting off your adult life, you know, $37,000 in the hole, you know. So then all of a sudden, you know, you get out of college, you want to go do stuff, you want to enjoy life. And, you know, you have this huge burden on you. So once again, I want to talk about that just because, you know, I feel like this has been, you know, I feel like this is talked about in the public, but not in great detail. I feel like, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of misconception over, you know, what's, what going to college is in today's age. Um, just because, just because of the, the sheer fact that, you know, whenever, whenever you go to college, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to walk out of school with this, you know, $80,000 your job. You know, a lot of times it's going to take you years to get, to get, you know, some, some experience and some, some build on your actual resume in order to start making more money and to get in the positions of those. And then that's wherever that 2.8 million over the lifetime of your, of your career will actually start adding up. But those first years can be very much of a grind. Um, and just live breaking on the actual podcast, Levon, Le, Le'Veon Bell expected to sign with the Jets. So huge sign for the Jets there. So, um, so I, that, that's what I want to talk about with the actual, um, student loans and then jumping into just some futures in NCAA basketball. So, 
just talking about NCAA basketball, we're kicking off. I think they're having selection Sunday, this upcoming Sunday. Um, I'm actually going to a bachelor party this upcoming week, so I won't be putting out a podcast on Sunday. So it'll be about a week from the next podcast. Um, but I just wanted to go over just some futures because this is this is actually a time where you know you talk about people winning a lot of money. This is where you can actually win a lot of money in, in some futures, especially with if you choose the right one. So just for example, you know Duke is um, nine to four odds, Gonzaga is six to two odds, and the North Carolina is six to one odds. Those are the three favorites to win the tournament. Um, but as you kind of go through, you know, there's, you know, I like Kentucky a lot. Kentucky currently is 12 to one. Um, Tennessee is 12 to one. Michigan State's 12 to one. So they're all kind of like partnered up there. So, you know, as you scroll through, I like to find the teams that, you know, they're, they're that, that pretty high, you know, anywhere from 30 to 55 to one odd. Cause you know, that's where you can make some serious money. So like Marquette, I think Marquette has a huge advantage. They play good defense. They have a good big man. They get up and down the court. They're 55 to one odds. So what do these odds mean? What does this break down as? I think that's, you know, a very important thing is, you know, I lived in Vegas for two years. So, you know, I had plenty of time to learn this, but you know, the most common gambler doesn't understand what that necessarily means. So 55 to one, that means if you put a hundred dollars on Marquette to win, you'd win $5,500 because you just do 55 times a hundred. So every $1 you put down, you're winning 55. So, um, once again, you kind of try to dumb that down a little bit just so you can have some real opportunities to make some wins. And, you know, there, there's a couple teams in there. Once again, that, that Marquette 55 to one Villanova to me, they're just, they're not the same team this year. They're 60 to one odds. Um, you know, Kansas state, I talked about them earlier on the podcast. They're 30 to one. I think Kansas state has a great chance to make a run. Um, and you can actually go in there, you know, a lot of times if you have, you know, Bovada, any of these online gaming, um, sites on your phone, you can actually go in there and you can look at futures betting for them to win the big 10, big 12, you know, whatever, um, you want to start that before the actual, you know, big 10 and big 12 start, but you know, you can, you can get in there and get on that. And so, you know, a lot of times to win those tournaments, you know, like Kansas state's probably like a two to one odd or three to one odd or something like that. So, so you can, you can pick odds just to win the turn to win their, um, actual division tournament or conference tournament. And then this is for the big dance. This is for the actual March madness. So, you know, kind of getting into this a little bit more, you know, just, you know, the, some live, live Vegas betting as well, just, you know, kind of kicking off, you know, with, you know, ACC tomorrow, you know, Clemson's minus one versus North Carolina state, um, Virginia tech's minus seven and a half. I talked about Miami or Virginia tech earlier, Virginia tech and, um, and Florida state are both in that same range for me, myself, whenever I look at gambling, I just think that they're both kind of on the range. I don't, I don't necessarily know what team is going to show up because sometimes they'll shoot the crap out of the ball. And other days they can't make a bucket to save their life. So you, know, you kind of have that Louisville is only seven and a half over Notre Dame, but Louisville fell apart towards the end. Um, so, you know, just looking at the ACC games, I'm not a huge fan of really any of them. Um, I think as you kind of dig through though, a little bit more, you can find some real beneficial games later in the day actually um just just kind of as i was going through you know illinois they're, they're going to be you know favored one and a half i think they're playing northwestern over unders 136 i think that that's a great opportunity for for a game tomorrow i actually like illinois to finish that i like them to win uh, minus one and a half i think they're actually kind of an underrated team maybe a dark horse to make a little bit of a run in the big 10 um and then st john's only minus four and a half versus depaul i think st john's this is the time of year when st john's usually gets it going um and once again they're going to score a lot of points over under is 156 so four and a half points i can see them winning and moving on to the next round so those are my two picks for tomorrow 
tomorrow. Once again, Illinois minus one and a half and um, St. John's minus four and a half. So picking two favorites. Once again, as I get into March Madness, I actually like to choose a lot of upsets. Um, but those are the two teams that I like tomorrow, just as you know, these tournaments are kind of getting kicked off. And then um, I just want to talk about some of the free agent signings. You know, I think I think with so much going on in the NFL, it's kind of it's kind of hard to kind of keep track of everything. So one thing that I just wanted to to kind of go through, you know, if you haven't had a chance to, you know, there's been so many kind of go on. I just wanted to kind of talk about, you know, the, just some different ones. So obviously we talked about Le'Veon Bell signing with the Jets. You know, he's probably signing. Let's just kind of get the ideas on it. He's finding a $52.5 million deal, which is kind of ironic because he was going to get $20 million guaranteed last year from the Steelers. So he gave up $20 million to sit out and not play all year. And now he's signing a $52.5 million deal over four years. So some of this stuff I don't really understand, but you know that's why I'm not paid $52 million over a four-year span. Um, um, Odell Beckham goes to the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns give up their first-round pick, their a third-round pick, and also um, Jabril Peppers. And then you know, the, so those are the kind of the two splashing trades. Um, Deshaun Jackson got traded from the Buccaneers to the Eagles. Um, no real trade there, you know, nothing major. I think they swapped picks. I think the Bucks picked up their sixth round. We gave them their se- our seventh round, um, and that was more because we were actually going to probably cut him to relieve some space, ten million dollars, um, just because I think that we we had to move on. I think that there's a chance, you know, once again. Just if if it happens, you heard it here first. I really like the Bucks to sign Ingram. Um, now that the now that the Saints signed Murray to a I think is a three year deal. Murray was a running back out of the Vikings. He signed with the Saints. I actually like the Bucks being a front runner to actually land to actually land Ingram to sign to maybe a four year deal. You know maybe till about a you know twenty twenty five million dollar contract. You know maybe a little bit more than that, but right around there. Um, and then let's just get into some of the names. So, you know, we talked about Weedle, you know, I had, I had it wrong. I I chose the wrong team down there. I chose, um, the, the chargers, but he ends up going to the Rams. So that, that's a big one. Um, Tyron Matthew, he ends up going to the chiefs kind of shocking there. I don't know what they're going to do with Eric Berry. Um, but that was a big one. Nick Foles. I said the Redskins. he ends up going to, um, Jacksonville. I know that was the favorite one. Um, I know the biggest sign of the day for my boy, uh, Brian Lavis was Frank Gorgon getting signed to a two-year deal with the bills um or maybe it's just a one-year deal one-year deal for two million dollars um i don't i don't know the bills have the oldest running backs in the entire nfl they have the three oldest running backs that is a fact they have frank gore LaShawn mccoy and um, chris ivory all three of them over 30 years old almost 95 years of of age there between the three of them which in football years means you're old as shit um and then just another uh, just a couple other ones the the Raiders kind of started off real fast you know they start off with the Antonio Brown pickup um with that trade and then um they signed they signed the most expensive offensive tackle as well I don't have the exact number in front of me but they got the guy from um the Patriots so let's see they picked up um uh, Trent Brown to $66 million contract, $36.7 million guaranteed for the Oakland Raiders. So the Raiders definitely making a splash in free agency. And then, you know, actually my biggest one, I, you know, I know all these big names are huge. I know everyone likes talking about it, but I think 
more than likely one of the biggest names that's really going to come back and really make a shining one is going, you know, my boy Joshua, he's a huge 49ers fan. I think D Ford is going to be an amazing signee there. I think they did a great job. They picked up Quan Alexander from the Bucks. They got a lot faster overall. I think that, you know, I think that they're going to be a wrecking ball, um, especially because they were just ran over all last year. So, you know, that whole division is going to be really tough. I think that that is, I think that's going to be one sign to really watch just, you know, getting some pressure on the quarterback. And as well as, you know, you look in that division, you know, the Rams actually lost one of their offensive linemen. Um, I think he ended up going to the Tennessee Titans. So, you know, their, their, their offensive line got a little bit weaker. Um, so that that's kind of my idea. I think a couple interesting ones are going to be what the Patriots do once this actually opens up tomorrow. I think they're probably going to sign um, the dude from the Eagles. What is his name? Um the wide receiver, I can't think off the top of my head. Um, but I think they're gonna they're gonna sign that wide receiver. Um, what is his name? He came from the Lions. Um, anyways, I think they're gonna sign him. And actually, I think one um one actual dark horse to to actually look at um as far as a as a signee for the the Bucks is actually tied in Cameron Bray. I can see the Bucks trading him. He's seven million dollars against the cap. Um, and you know he goes to the Patriots. They they need somebody with Gronk kind of on his way on his last couple legs to um to kind of, you know, to kind of solidify that wide receiver spot just because he's going to be needed there. So I think that'll be, I think that'll be one of the more interesting ones as well. And then, you know, cause they got to have somebody to throw the ball to I mean, right now they have Edelman and that's pretty much it. Cordell Patterson signed with the bears today for $5 million a year. So, you know, I think that that is going to be a, I think that's going to be a big opportunity for them to sign. And they still have quite a bit of millions in, in cap space. I believe they have 27 million in cap space. And they haven't, they didn't sign one person yet. So um, they lost, they lost cooks. They lost their offensive tackles. So they're not spending a lot of money on these people right now. So, you know, usually they try to bring in people at a discounted rate. And I think that's what they will end up doing. Um, I can't think of that wide receiver's name. It's driving me crazy. Um, so I'm gonna have to look that up. Um, but nonetheless, I think that that's I think they're a team to watch tomorrow to make a splash just with a couple of these names. I think also um, the Williams guy from the Chargers, he's gonna be a free agent. I like him to sign somewhere. I actually liked him going to the Bills, but the Bills signed Brown, and um, they also signed Beasley from the from the Cowboys. I know all the Cowboy fans that, that hurts their heart a little bit to lo- to lose the Beasley. Um, but I think that that's actually a really good signing for the Bills. I think that he's gonna be a clutch little ball player for him, and as well as you have Brown to, to you know that if anything their quarterback can do up there in Buffalo is throw the ball deep so you know you get Brown running deep I think that's a great little great little option to have you know a very escape a, an escape route with Beasley and then also the deep threat with Brown um, but that's where you that way you're kind of caught up with some of the some of the stuff kind of going on with free agency a ton more is going to be going on tomorrow as well um, and I'm sorry I can't remember the name of that wide receiver and I can't can't look it up right now but um, I'm sure someone will DM me and give me shit because I don't know it. Um, but nonetheless, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Um, and I will talk to you guys later, okay? Thanks, guys.